So amen. Church, I pray you have your Bible with you this morning <laughs> as we turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Then we're going to jump into Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2. And the, the children are learning this exact same story and message this morning. So hopefully this is something that you can share together. And Austin, I try to be correlating uh, my sermon and his message on Sunday morning. That way parents and, and kids alike can kind of talk about some things that they learn together, whether if you're in big church or whether if you're in children's church, it's something that hopefully that you can talk about together as you go home. So you can see the title of the sermon this morning is Imitate Who? Imitate Christ. So tell me someone, you adults that are here this morning, when you were a child, who did you try to intim- or Im- imitate? Who? Your mother. All right, who else? Who? Dad. Anybody else try to imitate someone you when you were a child? Richie Farmer. Farmer. (laughs) The younger years, right? Okay. um, All right. So Richie Farmer, I'm going to give you a few. I I remember as a kid growing up that I tried to to imitate. I remember trying to be a Duke boy. (laughs) Just a good, I mean, going to go there. And so I had my Dukes of Hazard car, and I had a few of the Duke Boy toys. Y'all do remember Duke Boys? If you're 40 and over, I know you remember the Duke Boys. And so I used to kind of imitate the Duke Boys. Then there was He-Man and the sword, right? And you'd say the little chant, and you'd have all the power that you ever needed. And then there were wrestlers like Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and their little gimmicks and their little sayings. And of course there was... Batman. Yes, Batman was around when I was a kid. And so Batman and all of his little gadgets, and then of course there were people like Larry Bird. I wore 33 all the way through high school. Why? Because I wanted to be, I wanted to be like Larry Bird. And then of course there was Michael Jordan gliding through the air with his tongue sticking out as he walked on the clouds. And so there were all these people that I would try to imitate when I was a kid and a teenager growing up. And I remember this old saying, the late Irish poet Oscar Wilde once said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. So imitating movie stars and professional athletes and fictional carers and singers, that stuff can be fun, right? But as a Christian, who better to imitate than who? Than Jesus Christ. Who better to model our life around, pattern our day around, and conform our image into? So over the last three weeks, we have talked about not conforming to worldly standards. We talked about how Christ has set us apart for His purpose and for His will. We have talked about different aspects of the Christian life, even being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We talked about that last Sunday. But if we're going to be different, if we're going to live a Christian life, then we've got to include the most important aspect of Jesus' ministry, and that's a four-letter word called love. It's called love. And it was the love that Jesus had for people that changed lives thousands of years ago, and it's that same love today that is changing lives today. So how can Christians imitate the love of God to others. I think this is something that we need to know, church. Amen? 
You watch the world today, there's all kind of hate. Turn on the news today, and there's all kind of division. Read the newspapers. Watch TV. Slander. Insult. Putting people down. All to try to make people feel better about themselves. In my opinion, there's enough hate in this world. Amen? In my opinion, there's enough disrespect in this world. Amen? And so people need to learn, well, what does it mean to imitate the love of Jesus? Well, I can tell you, you're not going to learn that out in the what? You're not going to learn that out in the world. You know, parents will come to me and they'll say, well, why do you think it's so important for my kids to be in school or church or for me to be in church? Well, listen, in church, your children are going to learn morality. They're going to learn Christian values. They're going to learn what it means to respect someone. They're going to learn all of these good things that, 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 I'll be honest with you, our world is not teaching. And so when you think to yourself, well, what value is there in a Christian life? What value is there in loving people like Jesus? Well, Jesus has called us to set apart. Jesus hasn't called us to be the world. Amen? And so these are important aspects of your life, adult, that you need to know. And for your children, for your teenagers, and for all people, you know, I'm telling you, I grew up in the church. Have I lived a perfect life? No. But it, it taught me to respect adults. It taught me to have responsibility. It taught me to be respectful to others when they were talking to me. And so it changes you. And some people may say, well, I, I, don't, I don't need that. I'm going to tell you, you need it now more than ever. In this culture that we are living in today, people want to be loved. That's not changed. People want to love. That's not changed. The problem is we have forgotten our first love. And our first love is Jesus Christ. That's where everything else comes to play in our life. Let's read Ephesians 4, 32 and then chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Listen to the word. Be kind to one another. How many of y'all have ever had one of those in your front yard? Just be what? See, in my opinion, I think it's pretty bad that we live in a culture that we have to be reminded to be what? To be kind. I think that's where we've come to. Be kind to one another, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Then jump to chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of who? Of God, as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great day that you've made. Lord, we thank you for our music this morning as it opened up our hearts for worship. Thank you that you got Billy and all of his family back to us safe and sound, dear Lord. And Father, as we come today, Lord, this isn't just a, a time of entertainment. Lord, this isn't just a time to, to waste until we go eat lunch. But Father, you have ordained us to be here today. And so God, I know that you're already speaking. Lord, I know that you're already opening hearts. And Father, I pray today that the Holy 
Holy Spirit is working on each and every one of us, dear Lord. Father, we need to love. And we don't need to love in a worldly way, but Father, we need to love in a Christ-like way. And so God, I pray this morning that you work on us, that you build us up, and that Lord, through that, you send us out, Lord, to show others that we are different and that we can love in a different manner through you because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And Father, I pray this morning, if there's someone here that's not received that love, if there's someone here that, 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 that doesn't call Jesus their Lord and their Savior, then Father, I pray you open up those hearts today and those minds that they may see the love, Father, that you have for them through your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, if you ask a Christian why Jesus came into the world, many people are going to say, well, Jesus came into the world to save the what? To save the lost. Is that correct? Absolutely. Some will say that Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. Is that right? Absolutely. Some will say that Jesus came into the world to give us a new life. Is that true? Absolutely, yes, he did. But let's be reminded that love is the reason that Jesus, what? That he came. John 3.16 tells us, for God so what? Loved. Why did he send Jesus? Because God so what? He loves. So we've got to be reminded when people say, well, why in the world did God ever want to send his son into this big hot mess? Because God what? God loves. In our scripture, Paul calls out to the Christians at Ephesus. And he says, I want you to imitate God. By the way, he says, I want you to do this through love. Now that sounds simple, right? But here's the situation. You've got to know a little bit of the backstory. The way the Ephesians loved and the way that Jesus loves, that was two different things. See, the Christians at Ephesus, they grew up in a culture that loved ritual prostitution. They grew up in a culture that loved worshiping the goddess Artemis. They grew up in a society that loved the acceptance and the practice of sorcery. And they grew up in a culture and an environment that loved sexual perversion as an exalted way of living. So these young Christians at Ephesus, they had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul knew their environment in which these Christians lived each and every day. Matter of fact, it sounds even very similar to the environment that what? That we're living in today. People in Ephesus were defining love in their own way. Again, sounds very similar to our culture that we live in today. But Paul wanted to make sure that God's love and imitating God's love, it's much different than the world's love. So today as we close out this series about standing out for Jesus Christ, let's look at three key aspects of God's love. And this is in your sermon outline. We cannot miss these. We cannot miss these. You know, I hear people say, well, I, I'm saved, but I'm going to love my way. Well, I'm saved, but there, there's just some things that I'm just not going to be able to love. I'm not going to be able to do. Well, how do we make deals with Jesus? Please tell me. How does that work out when you and I decide, well, yes, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to let my love change. I'm going to have it my what? How does that work out for you? It doesn't, does it? 
And so there are some things in our life that we have got to know, that we have got to implement if you want to stand out. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you say you are, then you should be living a life that is showing. Amen? And so there are some key aspects that has to be implemented and imitated in our lives, and we start with this, number one. Imitators of Christ must live a life of what kind of love? Reflective. There's got to be a reflective love in your life. Look what Paul says in verse 32 of chapter 4. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Jesus Christ has also forgiven who? Forgiven you, Paul reminds them. You know, sometimes in life, I, I believe we get this holier-than-thou attitude. Church, you with me? And, and it's that holier-than-thou attitude that turns people away from the faith. It turns people away from the church. But this is when we need to be reflective on our own walk with Christ, as Paul points out. Christ also forgave who? Us. So a reflective love understands where a person has what? Has come from. A reflective love understands that forgiveness must be practiced because people, Christians included, are going to make what? We're going to make mistakes. Now, I'm not saying that Christians get a free pass here. So, so, so don't misquote me. Sometimes Christians abuse their relationship with Jesus because we tell ourselves, well, I've got this free sin card, and I'll pull that out this weekend and use it, Lord. So we can do whatever we think we want to do. Truth is, truth, truth is this. We should be learning from our mistakes and hopefully not repeating them what? Over and over but I want us to hear what Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And this is where they were. So this is a reflective love. He reminds them, listen to this, this is who they were. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, see the but? But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Jesus. By grace, you've been what? You've been saved. So Paul reminds them of who they used to what? Of who they used to be. So there's a great reminder here that since we have been forgiven, we should also be willing to forgive others. That's a Christ-like love that reflects and imitates the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a great example. Can you imagine the Christians at Ephesus living with the attitude that no one else in Ephesus could place their faith in Jesus Christ except them and them alone? Can you imagine a man or a woman coming to hear the gospel of Jesus and they want to place their faith in Jesus, but someone looks at them and says, Hey, you worshipped Artemis. Hey, you were a prostitute. Hey, you practiced sorcery. Hey, you lived in sexual perversion. And this man or woman that was wanting to turn their life over to Jesus was wanting the values of Jesus placed in their life to turn their minds over to Jesus, their bodies over to Jesus, just turned around and walked out the door because sometimes we forget that Jesus also saved us. You with me? 
The church is a hospital of sinners. But sometimes these holier-than-thou attitudes take place and we become like a religious country club instead of a place where people that know they are living a life they shouldn't be living. They come looking for Jesus. They come looking for healing. They come looking for restoration. And we want to look down on them. And Jesus says, do you not remember who you used to be? When I found you, do you not remember that I pulled you up out of the dirt? That I cleaned you off? That I loved you? I forgave you? We reconciled? Do you not remember these things? And that's exactly what Paul's telling the Ephesians. And then secondly, number two, imitators of Jesus must live a life of what kind of love? Intentional love. Paul tells the Ephesians, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in what? Walk in love. Now, the word walk in the Hebrew and the Greek basically means that the way a person lives or conducts oneself. So Paul is saying that each day that you live, let the love of Jesus be seen in your what? In your speech. How many of you all have a problem with the love of Jesus being heard in your speech? Right? But he's not just talking about speech. He's saying let the love of Jesus be seen in your actions. Let the love of Jesus be seen in your attitude. Let the love of Jesus be seen in the way that you conduct yourself because other people are what? Other people are watching. But let me ask you something. Do you only want to act like Jesus when other people are watching? I would hope you want to act like Jesus because Jesus lives within who? Jesus lives within you. And so it ought to come normal. It ought to be in our everyday lives of the, how the way that we live, how the way that we love, how the way that we walk. You know, I've even heard a lot of Christians say, well, Brother Donnie, I can't be a Christian at work. Why? Why can't you have... I mean, you don't have to go and open your Bible and start preaching. But why can't you be a Christian at your work? And if you've ever thought about that, and I'm just going to say this, Moms, dad, don't look at each other and say, I'm quitting tomorrow when I say this. Are you ready? If you can't be a Christian at work, pray that God brings something else into your life. Pray that he brings another job. Pray that he does something different in your life. Because if God, if we, can't, if, if we can't love, if we can't live, if we can't be a reflective and an intentional type of love at your work, then, then something's just not where it needs to be. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus made a command and he made a statement about loving with intention as he said, here's what I'm going to do. A new command I give to you that you love one what? I want you to love one another even as I've loved you that you may also love one another. And then he adds something to this. He, and this is what the intentional love and the reflective love says. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Another. Oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? People are going to know that we love you and that we love one another by what they what? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we live a life of loving others through Jesus, not only are we being obedient unto Jesus, but we're showing others that we're living with the intent of loving our brothers and our sisters in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm going to give you something real quick. 
it's frustrating as a pastor when we fall into this rut of saying, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to, I may give, and I'm going to listen to the Word of God. I may sing. But pastor, don't ask me to love my brothers and my sisters in Christ Jesus. Well, why wouldn't I? But to see, to do that, that means you've got to get involved. To do that, that means you've got to have a reflective kind of love. To do that, that means you've got to have a what? An intentional kind of love. Well, I just, like the, I just like the convenience, Brother Donnie, of walking in and walking out. Let me tell you what that's called. You ready? That's called a church swelling, not a church growing. The convenience of it has gotten to the point where we take advantage of it and we say, well, yes, I went to church this week. I heard the Word of God. Are you loving your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? Well, I, I, I don't really know because I don't get involved. I, I don't get to know anyone. I just go and I'm what? And I'm there. I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Do you really believe that's what Jesus wants for your life, for you to become a Christian hermit? If you do, I want you to come see me after church today, and we're going to have a very long theological discussion. Because some pastor, someone in your past has taught you that all you need to do, come to church, hear the Word, and then what? There's enough churches that are doing that already. Amen? That is not who we are going to be at Cecilia Baptist. We are going to love each other. We're going to help support each other. And we're going to be there for each other. And listen to me, if your heart's not in that, then I pray this morning when I give this invitation that you come and you pray to God, God, open up my hard heart. Change, Lord, my attitude. When Jesus ministered on earth, he was constantly extending compassion and mercy and love to those whom other people passed over. Jesus loved those whom culture had deemed unlovable, untouchable, unclean, and undeserving. Think about just a few of these stories that we know. The woman at the well. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. The woman who had the flow of blood. The invalid at the pool of Bethsaida. The thief hanging next to Jesus on the cross. The Jews who crucified Him. These were all people that many people never loved. We see Jesus' compassion. We see His mercy and love in all of these stories and countless others throughout the Bible. And these are just the ones recorded. There must have been countless others who received the love of Jesus because His love was reflective. His love was intentional. It was done with the purpose of showing that the love the Creator has for the creation. And then lastly, number three is this. Imitators of Jesus Christ must live a life of what kind of love? Sacrificial. You've heard reflective. You've heard intentional. And now this is a word that many of us have a problem with. Sacrificial. Paul said to the Ephesians, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, the love that Jesus has given and still given, it's not conditional type of love. Amen? 
But the Bible uses this word called, it's an agape kind of love. It's the highest form of love that is referenced in the New Testament. Agape is a, is a Greek word for this type of love. And when the word agape is used in the Bible, it refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that has the intention and the de- desires of another one's highest good. And so basically what it's saying is, is I'm going to put your needs in front of whose? Oh my Lord Jesus, are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? Let me ask y'all a question. Are you ready? What in the world would a church look like if we decided to put other people's needs in front of our own? It would look like a church that loved who? Jesus and a church that loved who else? Each. Each other. Kind of reminds me of this short little, little story. A college man walked into a photography studio with a framed picture of his girlfriend. He wanted the picture duplicated, so this involved removing it from the frame. And in doing so, the studio owner noticed the inscription on the back of the photograph. It said, my dearest Tom, I love you with all of my what? Heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for eternity. And it was signed, Helen. Miss Helen, where are you at? There she is. And it contained a P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. <laughs> Helen was obviously dealing with a lowercase L. Amen? Also known as conditional love. It comes with strings attached. It comes with addendums. It comes with revisions. And it changes based upon people's feelings and outcomes and weather patterns or anything else that's disrupting. Kind of reminds me of a t-shirt that I see at sporting events from time to time. It says, if we lose, I was never here. (laughs) My wife knows exactly what I'm talking about. But this is not the way of God. His love and commitment, it never changes. Why? Because it's a sacrificial type of love that's unconditional. And that's what draws us to Jesus. So as we seek to imitate the love of God in our own lives, how can we best love others? Well, with a love that's reflective. With a love that's intentional. With a love that's sacrificial. That's been shown to us through Jesus Christ. If we're ever truly going to imitate Jesus the love of Jesus, then we're going to have to stand out. It's going to look odd to people that's close to you. It's unbelievable the way that God can love people in someone's life. The redemption, the reconciliation, the renewal, that's otherworldly that nobody else will ever experience except through the love of Jesus Christ. And truth be told, if you've ever been a follower of Jesus for long enough, you've definitely heard or You've read the unbelievable testimony of someone responding to the love of Jesus. And listen to me, if you've never witnessed this, on Father's Day we're going to have three men that give their personal testimony. They're going to tell how Jesus has changed their life. And men, I think this is something that's missing in our church now more than ever. Men and women both that are willing to speak out what Jesus has done in their life. You know, the Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
That's what Jesus has done for you. That's what Jesus has done for me. And I would add, if you love others unconditionally and unconventionally like Jesus did, if you imitate the way Christ loved, you will see people move into a relationship with Jesus as we witness transformation. We're going to witness redemption and reconciliation. It's going to happen within the church. It's going to happen within our communities. Who do you know that needs to experience a love like this? How many of you all right now know someone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you inviting them to church? Are you planting a seed? When they look at your life, and listen to me, they are looking at your life, amen? Do they see the love of Jesus? And some of you all Christians, you may be sitting here and saying, well, Brother Donnie, you just don't know what I've been through. Well, you're right, but you need to come and let it go, amen? If what you have been through is hindering your love of Jesus, and it's hindering your love to love other people, then you need to come and let God have it, amen? You need to come and pray and say, Father, take this from me, Lord, that I can love the way that you want me to love. What can we do to love more like Jesus Christ? As Christians, our love, it's not supposed to be about fitting in, but our love for God and our love for others is supposed to be about standing out. Are you loving people like Christ loves, loves you? And maybe some of you, you're sitting here thinking today, well, Brother Donnie, I, I didn't know that was part of the bargain. Billy, come on up. You may think to yourself, you know, I, I didn't realize that, that I was going to have to love others the way that Jesus loves me, but let me ask you something. Don't you want to be loved that way? Come on, church. Don't you want God to love you unconditionally? Don't you want your family? Don't you want your spouse? Don't you want your relationships? Don't you want to be loved with a genuine kind of love? Then why wouldn't we want others to see that? Why wouldn't we want others to experience that? You know, it would be easy for Jesus to be here with us and just walking among us and sharing the gospel, wouldn't it? But Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He said, I want you to go. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to tell others what I've done for you. That starts by loving the Lord and loving who? Others. So this morning as we have our time of invitation, church, this is your opportunity to come. It's your opportunity to come and pray. It's your opportunity to give whatever it is on your heart to God or to Jesus and just say, Lord, help me love you and help me love people. Will you stand this morning? And we have our invitation.